This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. Our nation's future depends on the youth of today. One top educator says getting college students to discuss controversial issues now will make them better citizens later in life. Our question was whether if students learn to talk about politics in that way, that might sort of overcome this dislike for the polarization and conflict that seemed to be driving them out of politics. Then, if you haven't changed your credit cards in years, you might be missing out on some valuable benefits. The biggest reason why people don't get new cards is because they're afraid of hurting their credit score. But the truth is, it can actually help your credit score. Those two stories and a lot more are straight ahead on this week's show. Don't go away. InfoTrack begins right after this. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. Voter turnout among young Americans is low, yet they represent America's future. A research study suggests a way to inspire college students to become involved citizens long after graduation. With this story, here's InfoTrack's Roy Mackey. Roy? Thanks, Chris. Our guest is Katie Herringer, professor of politics and international affairs at Wake Forest University. She co-authored a study of 18 to 29-year-olds regarding their engagement in politics with some fascinating results. I know it happens with all ages, really, but why do you think young people in particular shy away from political engagement? Most of them are still trying to figure out what they think. They're, you know, away from home perhaps for the first time when they're in college and they're sort of sorting out their beliefs. And I think politics has become so polarized and so full of conflict that when you're not sure what you think, it's easier to just stay out of it. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense just to tune out. How do voting rates of younger people compare to the rest of America? They're substantially lower than any other age group until you get to people over 90. For very elderly people who have various difficulties getting out. But other than that, it's much lower. And I think it's most frequently explained by sort of how uncertain their life is in the sense that they move around quite a bit and, you know, the trouble of figuring out who your local officials are and how to register to vote and all those kinds of things tend to take second seat to whatever it is you're most focused on at that time. Obviously, you do view this as a serious problem, but why? Well, what we've seen, and really we started, my colleagues and I started studying this in the late 1990s, because what we saw was even though it's always been the case that this age group participates at a lower rate, that the numbers were actually declining. And that is troublesome because unless you develop sort of habits of engagement and citizenship, you don't tend to do it. And as a political scientist, of course, my concern is that, you know, democracies demand a certain number of people actually participating. (laughs) So, you know, if the numbers, at some point, the legitimacy of government goes down if you don't have enough of the people actually engaged in choosing who their leaders are. Seems like many people think, though, that, well, they're in their 20s and they're just not engaged. But once they begin to, you know, have a career, earn money, pay taxes, have a family, that at that point they'll start to become more engaged just naturally. Is that not really the case? Well, if you look at voter turnout trends overall, what you see is a decline. And so that would suggest that it's going down in older groups as well. And that would suggest that, you know, younger groups not participating then age into that group and that contributes to the 
continuing to climb. And so, you know, it's not the case that everybody will, once they settle down and have a home and pay taxes, that they'll suddenly be involved. I mean, I think it used to be the case that we could say that that would be true, particularly for people with a college education. But what the data were suggesting is that that's not true. I think one thing that scares at least some people who are politically tuned in is that there are people out there who go out and vote without really understanding the issues and knowing candidates' positions and so forth. Well, I think that's true, but I think that's true across age groups. Yeah. There are always a certain number of people who, you know, use some other kind of marker for having full information, whether it's a party label or, you know, that they like the person or they know their name and they don't know someone else's name. I mean, that's true of voting across age groups. So I don't think it's fair to say that young people know less than older people. So let's talk about your study. You found some pretty encouraging results, but what exactly were you studying? So what we were studying in particular was if students learn to engage in deliberative dialogue, which is sort of a way of talking about politics that de-emphasizes conflict and tries to emphasize taking the side of another person seriously, you know, listening, trying to find common ground. Our question was whether if students learn to talk about politics in that way, that might sort of overcome this dislike for the polarization and conflict that seemed to be driving them out of politics. And so we worked with a group of students who were here 10 years ago, and during the time that they were here, we taught them how to deliberate and how to talk about public issues in that way, and they organized some deliberations. And then we compared them to classmates who were not in the program. And we found at the end of their four years that they were different. First of all, they were more engaged in politics, but also that they felt more prepared to be engaged, you know, once they got out of college. Mm-hmm. And so our latest study was a 10-year follow-up, so they've been out now 10 years. So they're kind of at the top end. You know, they're about to age out <laughs> of the young people age group. They're at 29 and 30. What we found is that those differences that we saw when they graduated are still there. They're still more engaged in politics than a class cohort that we matched them with who had the same majors. They're still more willing to talk to people who they disagree with. They like to talk to people who have different points of view as opposed to talking to people who just confirm their own beliefs. So they differed from the group we compared them to along all of those dimensions that suggested that learning to deliberate is a helpful way to kind of overcome the dislike for polarization. Our guest on InfoTrack is Katie Harriger, professor of politics and international affairs at Wake Forest University. And she has been doing a long-term study of young people and their engagement in politics and has found some encouraging results. Professor Harriger, sounds like this is something that really could apply to all ages, but you had them in a classroom for a while. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, deliberation is something anyone can learn. There's probably a lower age limit, (laughs) but, you know, certainly high school through elderly could Mm -hmm. learn to be more deliberative. So is there any particular thing that has most surprised you in your research? I think we were surprised to see the difference last as long as it has. We sort of suspected that, you know, they would leave college wide-eyed and idealistic and, you know, get out there in the real world and 10 years later say, that deliberation stuff is just too idealistic. But that wasn't what happened. In fact, what we thought was really interesting was how much they talked about the way that they used the skills that they learned, not just in the political realm, but in their lives, you know, at the workplace, with their families. So they had really taken it to heart and sort of made it part of how they interacted with people, you know, not just in politics, but in their lives. 
So if you wanted to offer some advice to parents who have maybe teenagers who are, you know, becoming aware of politics and things like that, what kind of advice can you offer to parents? This may be hard for parents to do because parents want their kids to believe what they believe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I think that I would advise them to teach their children how to be listeners and how to try to understand points of view that are different than their own. You know, it doesn't mean they have to take on that view, but simply understanding where someone else is coming from and why they think something different than what you think is actually, you know, an enlightening experience. And so I think teaching kids to try to understand that there's another point of view and that that point of view, while it may not be yours, doesn't make the person who holds it bad or evil or worse. And it seems like both sides at this point are very much of the mindset that the opposition should be silenced, that debate should not be permitted. It does seem like that sometimes, doesn't it? What's really distressing, I think, is that television in particular, but you hear it on radio as well, I think. But the media and certainly the parties, and when you read the, you know, the things that the parties send out to their base, you know, on the internet, it does tend to be phrased in, I think, extreme and sort of overstatement of what's happening and what the consequences of something are in ways that I think are troubling and make it difficult. Because if you take the absolutist positions, it makes it extremely difficult, if not impossible, to come to agreement, to find common ground, to get things done. So in terms of your future research, where are you headed with this? What are you uh, hoping to learn in the future? We worked with these students for four years. We would like to know whether less intense interventions can have similar results. And also, what are the settings where you can use deliberation and teach it beyond just the college setting? Interesting. Well, Katie Harriger, the professor of politics and international affairs at Wake Forest University and the uh, lead author of this study, thank you again for joining us today on InfoTrack. Thank you. And for InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. Next, that credit card in your wallet or purse may actually be shortchanging you. That story, coming up. You're listening to InfoTrack. More after this.